Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. She never learned. It just, you know, it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't want to be doesn't want to be too perfect, mm-hmm. she says. You yeah. know, that's a good that's a good attitude to have because quite frankly, Jason, if she was too perfect, you wouldn't deserve her. I don't deserve her now. That's true. So You deserve her less. I do. I do deserve her less. Uh, so welcome, everyone, to uh, this edition of the H2O Podcast. We are back in the studio yeah. after a weird last week. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm Timothy Harvey. Um, you, Mrs. Boss, you might want to um, liberate the dead spider from Junior Office Dog. She is now deciding that it's a toy to play I with. I am telling you, you, you make know, friends I mean, with the spiders so the spiders don't get you in your sleep. D- uh, whatever. All right. As far as you know, Still, it's, it's friends are I'm alive. Out. Watch out. She's behind you. Um, anyway. All right. So we're not talking about dead spiders, but where did it go? Where did it go? Oh. It's she did. Not gonna. Oh no! It stuck to her foot. Stuck to. Of course, stuck to her foot. That's. Ladies and gentlemen, aren't you glad you tuned in for this live television, ladies and gentlemen? You know, if if this had happened to Red Skelton, he'd have made a bit out of it. Jerry Lewis would have made a bit out of it. I think we probably kind Milton of Milton Berle would have made a bit a out of it. a different bit. I don't know that we could make a bit out of this, but um, anyway. Oh, my. Uh, so there's our excitement for the day. So, yeah, last week, I talked about this today on, on uh, Live for the Bucker. Last week was a very weird week. This week is somewhat back to normal, although there's some things that are kind of percolating. Uh it's been a weird just going back to work in mm-hmm. the in the regular environment mm-hmm. has just been weird. Um, but I have been thinking about an idea. Yes. A new program, a new show. But I got to thinking it might not be different enough from this show. Now, there's a number of different YouTube channels out there that are focused on Star Wars, and a lot of them have their own council shows. They have panel discussions, mm-hmm, various different mm-hmm, people that mm-hmm. come in. Sure. And you have the high council, you have the dark council, you have the you know various this, this or that council and all these different things. And I got to think, well, we need a council of our own. We need a we need a council. I was like, well, what kind of what kind of council would that be? What kind of show? And I got to thinking, I have the perfect idea: the cantankerous curmudgeon council. But then I thought, that's it's that's the show. show, so yeah, it may not good. be. Um, <laughs> it, and we have, but we have our we have our new mascot. I mean, we've got our our grumpy cat Funko Pop, flocked, flocked, Funko. Uh, grumpy cat so we've at least got that going for us but yeah i thought about that i was like you know because well i mean the big the big difference would be we could invite other curmudgeons 
and it wouldn't be just us. But It'd be a whole group of us. Don't we run the risk of like the curmudgeon event horizon implosion? I would be fine with that. Where basically there's just like suddenly <laughs> it all everything just disappears into a singularity. And I, the screen I just goes blank. Well, see, because you could you could invite you could invite Robert Meyer Burnett. You could invite uh, Kirstie Alley. Because she's kind of grumpy these days. She's been I mean, grumpy for a while. There's there's a there's a number of people that you could invite into that. Uh, Ed Asner. See, Ed Asner would be fun. And <laughs> and the yeah. thing about Ed Asner is Ed Asner only sounds grumpy. He just shows up and gives great performances and makes you laugh. He's grumpy on social media. Well, social media is. A, I know, I know. But anyway. I'm grumpy on social media. <laughs> When you're on social media. Which pretty much tells you how, how, how grumpy I have to be mm. if I have to get on social media and go, wah, then yeah, I leave again for another yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, tonight we thought we'd talk about Star Trek because uh, we don't have, right now we don't have uh, Triple Bites or Deep Space Minds. You're, you're pointing at me what? Number three, I'm gone four days. <laughs> I'm gone four days. Yes? Yeah. I was just going to tell you on the daily briefing um, document, we have, I just put a new one in for Star Trek. Um, the cat from Discovery is getting its own book. Is getting its own book? It's a very popular, cat- the cat is a very popular character for the day. <sighs> I knew the cat had his own Twitter account. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's how. That's how. But these, the that's cat how is getting getting his own book. I, okay. Yeah. And and all right. Well. Just letting you know. There's mm-hmm. no accounting for taste, I guess. Uh, the cat. The cat Who is. Who knows? A, a, it could be better than everything else. The cat is a very entertaining character. That's not going to be much of a stretch, though. I mean, no, really. Unless you're enjoying the show, in which case you're probably enjoying the show. And I've told you how have many you wa- times. Have you wa- how many episodes of Discovery have you watched, Jason? I have watched one, and that was enough for me. And I thought, this is junk. I don't, I don't well, need it. And how many times have I told you that the animal community is tight? Yes, so yes, yes. So if they yes. bring it in, they could, you know, that's a lot of new viewers. That's fine. Anyway. All right, so the, apparently the cat is getting a show. Maybe we invite the cat on to the curmudgeon council. Grudge the cat from Star Trek Discovery getting her own book. I mean, she's a very good-looking cat. That's and that's the why main, that's the why the cat coon, is that's think, why right? the cat is popular is because the cat is a very good-looking cat and when probably you've got, the most talented performer on the entire show. Says the guy who's only watched one episode, which is a really stupid way to look at it. I, I had no interest in Discovery at all. Oh, so just like the first season of Star Trek, when a huge number, uh, the next generation, when a huge <laughs> number of people sat there and went, this isn't my Star Trek, and tuned out. Well. So if you don't give it a chance, you don't have any reason to complain about it. And bitching and moaning about something you haven't watched is hypocritical and wrong. And we well, should not do that. We should not do that. If we don't watch it, we don't, and, and the thing is, you don't have to. Well, I mean, no, the thing, no, people don't have to watch okay, things. Okay, you you make a valid point, mm-hmm. but on the flip side of that, when all of the marketing of the show focuses on aspects of the show that don't really appeal to me, I don't have any interest in the and show. And that's okay. But just because you don't have an interest in a show, 
doesn't mean the show is bad. Well, I never said the show was bad. You just said that there were bad actors, that it's a bad sh- You just made, said I all those things. I made the joke that the cat is probably the most talented performer and on that the show. And considering there are uh, Emmy Award winners and Broadway stars on the show and uh, Ensign Mount and a bunch of other, uh, a whole bunch of other people, that's I, completely wrong. Just saying. But, just saying. But everything that I've, that I've read about the show... From whom? From lots of different places, sure. lots of different descriptions and reviews and all these different things, n- news oh, articles absolutely and no question that the first season was, was not good. But the first season also did this, tried to do something different with Star Trek, which, quite frankly, not a bad idea to do every now and again. I have problems. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you the first season was good. It wasn't. But I think the show's gotten better. And I've quite enjoyed mm, two-thirds of the, la- of, the, of the third season. Wow. That there's, like I said before, there's no accounting for taste. Yeah. <laughs> and when, so, when you watch the show and can make the decision without listening to anybody else other than your own decisions, see, then you can I just, pass judgment on I just something. feel like if I sat and watched Discovery, I would be forcing myself to do something that I'm not going to then don't, then, no, then, I went, I went four, four, four episodes into Lower Decks mm-hmm. and decided this is not for me. I don't like it. Sure. So Whereas <laughs> I personally think the show got better in the second Lower Decks. Yeah. Got better in its second half. I think its first half. But the second half was suddenly, they, I think they realized they had characters they could develop instead of just telling a bunch of jokes. Uh. And whether or not you think that then, and this, this is going to be, because it's a comedy, right? And it's either gonna, the jokes are either going to hit with you or they're not. And the character development isn't going to matter if the jokes aren't hitting with you. The thing is, Star Trek has done comedy before. But not and often. Not often. But when Star Trek does comedy, mm-hmm. on any of the shows where they've done comedy, it's been a particular type of comedy. It's, it's mm-hmm. I don't want to say highbrow comedy, but it's more intelligent comedy than the slapstick oh, yeah, it's a, yeah, and, humor that's on lower decks. And I think, that, I think that that's where, you know, it either works or it doesn't for you. Um, you know, but I also am somebody who thinks that when... I'm still, still a huge, huge fan of John M. Ford's How Much for Just, How Much for Just the Planet. I think. See, I never got into that. Book. That that book is just so funny to me because it is literally what would happen if you and I don't even like like slapstick that much. Yeah. Um, but considering that a quarter of the novel is straight up, what if Star Trek was a slapstick comedy? And I just sat there and went. This is well, actually really fun. And it's slapstick comedy mixed with Rodgers and Hammerstein. Well, that uh, and Monty music. Python and... And it just, yeah, to me just, it just it just didn't hit. And I loved way. it because it was exactly that sort of, let's throw every single kind of comedy against the wall. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like this chapter, the next chapter, you know... And, yeah, it just, it just, to me, it felt tone deaf to what Star Trek is. But that was kind of the. But I think. I th- well, and, for, I, and that was kind of the point. Well, for for how much for just the planet? That I think that is the point because you see the characters reacting to the ludicrousness of what's happening to yeah. them, and they're smart enough to sit there and go, "You guys are messing with us." Now, lower decks. I think that the, like I said, if you, if the if the comedy is appealing to you, and that's mm. that's really the thing. If it's appealing to you. The show gets better in the second half because character development kicks in too. 
If it doesn't, if the comedy doesn't appeal to you, though, you're not going to enjoy the show. And that's just yeah. one of those things. And I think that I think part of it too is the animation style is mm. off-putting for me. It's too much Cal Arts, you know, bean, <sighs> bean, bean faces and rubber yeah. rubber limbs, and it just, I'm just <sighs> I just don't like it. I mean, it it looks like, and I've seen I've seen this comparison made in several places: Rick and Morty in cosplay. To some degree, I, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that, again, it's, it's one of those shows, and this is where I think that we, it's a good reminder for folks out there in the world that not everything has to appeal to us in every conceivable way. And it's okay, it's right. okay to not enjoy something, but it's okay that other people do too. And so it doesn't, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's bad. And, and we should it's stipulate, good if you and do we like should it. stipulate that if you don't like it, it doesn't automatically make you a racist Nazi. Well, that's true, but I'm okay. not sure there were a whole lot of people who were saying that they were racist Nazis because they didn't like Lower Decks. I, I'm just speaking in a broad, general sense. Uh, I think that the... Because well, but, it's broad, general sense how that gets applied. Well, but, again, the flip side is, is just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's bad. And just because you don't like Lower Decks doesn't mean other people do like Lower Decks and they're wrong I do, for liking well, it. Well, I'm not saying that anybody's wrong for liking it. I'm saying that it wasn't It wasn't to my right. taste. Mm-hmm. And as a writer, as a storyteller, <clears throat> as a filmmaker, you, know, you and I have done this kind of thing. Sure. From a craft standpoint, I don't think it's a very good show. But I think the other problem that you have to bear in mind is that first seasons of any show... Are always rough. Are yes. always rough. Now, let me, let me qualify that because we've seen plenty of shows, and this is where this is the reason they call it the we're in this golden age of television, right? Mm. Uh, well, and the argument being is that you have shows like Westworld or Game of Thrones where they right. where out of the, or or uh, 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 oh, there's, there's a bunch of them, but we're out of the gate. That first season is just amazing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And this is a lie. And it's a lie not because these people are deceiving us, but the idea that this is a thing that is common. Right. This is, is a rarity. Yeah, it's much more common. Well, I think the other thing, too, though, is when you have these shows that get released all at once. Um, there's, there's some of that, there, too. There is, there is a notion that now that we have them all edited... And all done, we can go back to the beginning episodes and do a little adjustment and tinkering but, so we get it just right before it gets out there. And yet people are pulling away from the binging thing. Yeah. And part of that is, of course, we've been at home for a year. Right. Right. Um, but you get into something like, you know, again, looking at um, shows like whether it's Discovery or, or Lower Decks or, the other, or, or Brave New Worlds, which is coming out. Um, or there are other things that are in development, mm. and the fact that it's really, really easy, apparently, really, really easy for people to forget that Next Generation came out and fans were going, this is not my Star Trek. And Deep Space right. Nine was coming out and people were going, this is not my Star Trek. The- Voyager, for all, you know, people who, people, the, the, we were literally hearing people complain during the Voyager time at Star Trek, we have, we have a woman who's a captain? It's like okay, there were problems with See, Voyager. I don't remember that complaint coming I, around. I do, much. but the thing is, is that the thing is, is that Voyager had a lot of problems. Mm. 
the Kate captain. Mo- the Kate captain Mulgrew was wasn't no. one of the problems. Well, and, and the thing is, uh, with Next Generation, I think when you get to that point, you're looking at a couple of different things. One, you're looking at something that has not been done before mm. because you have the Star Trek movies, you have the original show, you have the animated show, all of which were... William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, sure. DeForest mm-hmm. Kelly, is that one cast, mm-hmm. that's Star Trek. And then you come up with Next Generation, and it's going to be a syndicated show, so automatically, you know, it's, it's not on a network. Why didn't any of the networks want it? Well, it must not be as good as the original. You know, there's that, there's that automatic assumption because it's going straight to syndication. This Nobody is, understood the this experimental was the model. Pre, this yeah, this is yeah, back this before is, cable and everything. The... the the, the model was different. Mm-hmm. And you had members of the original series cast who were poo-pooing this next generation thing. <laughs> right? So all of that, I think, fueled the fans, because the fans were there going, well, if the original cast doesn't like it, then it, yeah, well, uh, what do we do? Well, and there were a lot of things. There were not just that. You look at the, the design aesthetic from how things looked in the original series to the next generation. And when they first rolled out the picture of the new Enterprise, I was one of those people who sat there and went, did the ship melt? Uh, Yeah, I didn't like it either. And I've never liked Enterprise D. And to be frank, neither have I. Um, And it's... It's too too top heavy. Well, there's... there's, From a a design... And I I get it, it's in space. Yeah, yeah, but... But right. there's, there's it's like also, when they changed the Taurus and the back of it looked like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle when they went to that egg roll look with the Taurus. With the what? The Ford Taurus. Oh, oh the yeah. Ford, mm-hmm. The Ford Taurus. You're talking about a car. Yeah, the, well, the I'm Taurus. saying that that Enterprise versus I was thinking that she the, was misspeaking and trying to say TARDIS. So I was like, <laughs> no, no, the no, TARDIS no, no, never no. had a shell? <laughs> <laughs> no, when they switched the Ford Taurus to look like an egg season. roll and a, the back of it looked like it was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle with its... Mastered. Season six Q, six six R, six one of the one of the the second Doctor. When the chameleon season. circuit was locked on tortoise. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, and see, that's what the disc world is on the back of. So that's actually <laughs> there, it's, there it's, it really is. That was the tor- disc world. It's, tor- it's the, tortoises the all the way down the because it's a, yeah. There you yeah. go. This is there's a fan fiction thing in there. <laughs> um, well, and, and and the other thing too, one of the things with Deep Space Nine, and I think. When you look in hindsight, and of course, hindsight is always you know an added factor in all oh, of this. Oh, yeah, no kidding. But your initial concerns with Next Generation was it's a different crew. How can you do it again without Kirk and Spock? And then well, they proved that you could do it. Yeah, the problem is, is that the first season was a bad example of the how to do it. The first season was a very bad example. And, they, and I think we look at uh, considering what... And this is this is where the landscape that they that the show existed in, and the bare bones landscape and mm-hmm. the very uncertain landscape, because it is a show that would have very easily been canceled at different times in in history. Yeah, it would have gotten the first season. They sat there and went, right? Star Trek is not for TV anytime soon. And and the other challenge that they had was an ensemble of seven. Because in the original series, you had Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and everyone else. 
Whereas with Next Generation, you can't have a star anymore. You've got to have everybody that gets the same amount of attention. And so the character development wasn't as as good, wasn't as thorough, wasn't as complete in that first season because you had so many characters you had to do it for. Well, and there's also the problem that... The you had first, some standouts. But the first season but, was also recycled scripts. Yes. It was also Gene Roddenberry... Being Gene Roddenberry. Being, being, and, and there were times when Roddenberry was a genius television storyteller. And there were times he was not. Yeah. And when, which, by the way, folks, this is how it works with people who make lots and lots of content for TV. You well, get it right, and you don't. And not there's not any creator out there who's managed to have, like, a I'm, perfect series. Yeah, I'm going it's to recommend that if you have not picked them up, uh, the six books so far from Mark Cushman, These mm-hmm. Are the Voyages. I've got the second three. And they talk in detail about the battles that Roddenberry had with the network, with the production studios and all of that. Roddenberry, for all of the creative juice that he had, bought into his own press that he was a creative genius juice and would not compromise enough with the studios or the networks, which is why nobody wanted to work with him. Right. Which is why nobody wanted to pick up any of his series. Because when the Questor tapes happened, everybody loved the pilot. But now let's get rid of three-fourths of what made the pilot work so we could just focus on this one thing. And Roddenberry was like, well, that destroys the entire essence of the show. Well, we want it, We don't want to do it your way. And Roddenberry was like, well, okay, well, then we just won't do it. And he did that often enough that people decided he's difficult to work with. And he was, he was the, the stories about him and Hal Livingston fighting over the screenplay of Star Trek The Motion Picture, there were points in the production of that, of that movie where Roddenberry was rewriting the script, Livingston was Harold re, Harold Livingston was rewriting the script, and at different points of time during the day, the crew, the cast, would get new new pages, and it got to be so back and forth, mine, 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 his, mine, whatever, that you were getting page page revisions with the date and the time of day mm-hmm. when these were th- crazy stuff. Sure. But it was because Roddenberry didn't want to give up control. It was very difficult when it came to that. And Next Generation reflects a lot of that too because Roddenberry had this asinine idea that we were all going to get along in the, in, the, in the future. And this utopian society which, sorry, pipe dream. Never going to happen. Well, and the thing is, is I don't think anybody really, outside of the idea as a concept, I think in terms of storytelling... There's no drama. There's no, yeah, and, and even if there... Well, con, I, Conflict comes in a lot of different ways. Right? Yes. And drama but, comes in a lot of different ways. But when Roddenberry says... I know what you mean. But when Roddenberry says that nobody in the crew fights, everybody in the crew gets along, that immediately puts... The, the, the writers in a box. 
that all of the threats and all of the conflict and all of the drama comes from outside the ship. And who wants to watch that? Well, not only that, this is, this is something that, that if you have read the novelization of the motion picture, mm -hmm. there's a bit of a warning to what this is gonna, you're gonna you, if you had not seen this coming, you might have if you read the novelization, where the idea that the next evolution of humanity is happening with these, these people who are the group mind. Yeah. Pre-Borgie there, um, but um, the Borg new humans. The new humans, and which on one hand is an interesting idea, but it also would be a character, uh, something that would be not interesting to watch, right? Um, unless you make them the bad guy, because or or you have them be like, um, and you know, you'd see like four characters who share group mind, and, and there would be something that you'd be able to, to work them that way. And you know, one would be down on the planet, and one would be—I mean, you could do cool things with the idea, but you could—but yeah. but you couldn't have a crew of those people without it becoming very, very the same. Well, and they explored a little bit of that in Enterprise with the whole uh, humans-only group Earth thing, right. and I think maybe it was. The one with Peter Weller, didn't they explore some of that in the movie? Was it Into oh, Darkness? Oh, Into Darkness? Not, not, the, not the shared consciousness kind of thing, but... But the, but the humans only and... Yeah, yeah. There's, well, there's, there's a little more the, the idea there. And it's, Star Trek Into Darkness is one of the more, more overtly political um, Star Trek films. And it's very much a... It's, it's Star Trek September 11th. Is really mm. what it is, right? So, yeah. it's, and it's the reaction to where, you know, uh, but it's but it's an inside job. Spoiler alert for for the least good of the of the Star Trek movies, right? From of, of the new movies. But it wasn't original because they did that in the books. And it well, and and dreadnought. It, it had appeared in the books before, and I think that um, one of the th there's there's if if we want to go down the the problems with with Star Trek in the Darkness, that's a whole show. Peter Weller. <laughs> is not one of those problems. Peter yeah. Weller's character is, in fact, a character that we've seen in Star Trek before, which is the admiral who believes that it's, or it's the Starfleet leader. It doesn't have to be an admiral. It's been ambassadors, it's been captains. captains yeah. it's been, but it's the idea that this person knows who, they see where things are going. Yep. And if, and if, and nobody is listening to them. And therefore, if they just do this thing, Everyone will understand, and it's that it's that you know yep. that degree of fanaticism that that you understand their point and they're still wrong. And Peter Weller does a fine job of coming across as both a leader to his men, a father to his crew, and also someone who is like so tunnel vision that he's like, if we just start with the war with the Klingons now, yeah, which in Discovery is the premise of the first season to some degree. Mm -hmm. And it's the same fundamental flaw. And I think that one of the things that I found interesting, still broken, but interesting about the first season of Discovery, is that we always see those admirals either die or get dragged away and locked up. Right. Here, the premise of the show like Discovery is, okay, here's the character that did the thing who started the war because they they knew they were right. Sure. And now they have to live with the consequences of it. And I'm like, ooh, what an intriguing idea. Because we don't ever get that. The closest we ever got was Garth of Izar. Mm. 
And even then it was... Lord Garth! Yeah, Lord Garth. And even then it wasn't that um, uh, we still get... He still gets dragged away and put away. You know, we, don't, we don't ever get... We he gets his memory wiped, we don't essentially. Ever get, we don't ever get the consequences of having to... These people having to deal with yeah. what they've done. And I think that if where the concept of that kept me interested enough in the first season of Discovery, even when I didn't like, when I thought the story writing was really clunky. Mm. Um, and so by the time we get to the third season, when the show finally has got rid of a lot of the the stuff they shouldn't have had in the first place, and they're, they've, they've gotten rid of the it takes place in the past thing. Yes. Okay. Once again, folks, please, please, please... <laughs> We don't need prequels, and that, and I, I'm saying that we don't need prequels to everything. And I'm saying that, saying, thinking how much I'm looking forward to Brave New Worlds, Strange New Worlds, Strange New Worlds, because on yeah. Star Trek Brave New World would be a whole different show. It would be an interesting concept. That would be, um, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, but this, but um, you can end up with we've we've had enough. We've had enough of Pike. To know that there's stories to tell in Pike's world, right? And I think we can, and so I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. Until they screw it up. Speaking they get of it right. speaking of clunky writing at Discovery, mm. one of the Discovery writers has sold a pitch to Paramount for a movie. Mm-hmm. Kalinda, is it Vasquez, Marquez, Vasquez? I think Vasquez. Vasquez. Kalinda Vasquez. I don't know anything about her. Other than the fact that she was named after a character in Star Trek. So, of course, she's, a, she's the perfect person to write a Star Trek. Well, she's a huge fan of Star Trek. Uh, yeah, okay. So, the fact that she's named after that, her parents were clearly fans as well. Yes. So, so Does w- not necessarily mean that she's got the chops to write a Star Trek story. Well, that's true. And I'm not making the assumption that it's going to be bad. Don't get me wrong. Because I, it might I, be really, really it good. It might be really, really good. But... Um, we were talking about it because I was on uh, I was on Midnight's Edge After Dark stream last night, and Ryan Robert Meyer Burnett was on there. He does a lot of stuff with John Campia, and he's all over the place. He did Free Enterprise. He's done some some behind the scenes stuff for the show, uh, for the previous shows, not for Discovery. And we were talking about the fact that one, this is a pitch. Paramount has basically said at this point okay, go write a script and show us what you've got. Sure. So this is not in production. This has right. not been mm-hmm. greenlit. We don't know anything about it. All we know is one of the writers of Discovery had an idea mm-hmm. and took it to Paramount, and Paramount said, okay, let's see more. Sure. But according to other things that we've heard, um, what's her name, Emma Watts at Paramount and we've seen this in a, in a couple in numerous re, uh, interviews or reports on in the trades that Emma Watts apparently has decided that Star Trek is not movie material. Star Trek belongs on television. So now we have two conflicting stories. Mm. Is Star Trek just for television? And are they humoring Kalinda or? No. I, I don't think they are. I'm not no. saying that they are. But no. are they hedging their bets? Yes. And saying, well, maybe it's yes. for a movie, and, but it's for TV. But see, the thing about it is, though, you, make, you take that gamble one too many times, 
and you lose money one too many times, and I'm not saying you're going to, and then Star Trek's done. Okay, but here's the thing. Star Trek hasn't lost money on any of their films. They haven't lost money. They've all made profits. The fact that we they stopped after the third film, which was the best of the three, by the way, in my opinion, mm-hmm. they finally found, they finally, I mean, it's, you still have to buy into these actors as, the, as that original crew, and some folks are just never going to. Um, and quite frankly, that was, they found, they hit the closest to the, to the right tone, I think, in the third movie. No. The problem is, by that point, they didn't have the audience they needed to, and that film still made money. Yeah. It was still a profitable film. It didn't make enough money for what they wanted it and to make. It didn't lose money. It, it, it wasn't a failure by any stretch of the imagination. And right. it made... But studios have an expectation of how much money they want to make, and it is above making a profit on the movie. Well, and we talked about that last night, the, the idea of there is a way to make Star Trek. And the way you make Star Trek is how you made Star Trek 2. You say, this is how much money you have to spend. That's it. That's all you've got. We're not going to make Star Trek. You, I think one of the problems with the, with the Kelvin films is that the budgets were so big, they become these gargantuan special effects extravaganzas and all of this other stuff. And then it just turns into this Rick'em roller coaster, generic science fiction flick. It wasn't the budget, it was the stories. Well, it's, it's all the same. Here, you've got all of this money to play with. What can we do with it? Well, you throw everything in the kitchen sink and lens flares at it, and you don't you don't do anything with the story. No, but we look at again. You look at the the first the first Kelvin movie is J.J. Abrams' audition to make Star Wars movies. Mm. The second is J.J. Abrams not understanding that, and no offense to J.J. Abrams, for all the things he can do, an amazing ha-ha, whatever. He's got fans, and and you guys are all great, too. But um, he completely fails to understand... Yes. I mean, you you could just stop it right there and you'd be good. He doesn't understand the earned necessity of a death scene. <laughs> and so when you, and, and, and for all the, and mm, my own personal headcanon is that um, Benedict Cumberbatch is not in flat, he's playing Yoshin from... Oh, Yochim? Yo, yo, yeah, that's like, yo, Yochim, and, and Khan is still frozen because I completely believe him, uh, he's completely believable as a villain in the movie. He's completely vil- believable as a super soldier, uh, you know, one of the... But he's these, not Khan. But he's not Khan. No. Uh, well, and, 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 and to, to Mazur's point about CBS All Access changing to Paramount, I, I don't know that it's... Yeah, it's, it's a money thing it, because Paramount Pictures has the prestige mm-hmm. that CBS does not. Because historically, you look at the programs that CBS has run, and the demographic of CBS has always skewed slightly older, which is one of the reasons why Supergirl didn't work very well on CBS. They tried it. It was it, great for a season, 
But it clearly did not belong on CBS. Everybody looking at what Supergirl on CBS? What? What? Because the demographic is not right. And a generation from now, that none of that is going to make a slightest bit of difference. Right, but a generation from now, we're going to have a completely different type oh, of it'll be, delivery be a whole new system. Yeah, yeah it's going to be all different. Landscape. But for now, CBS is older. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Paramount has the prestige of the Paramount Pictures and the Paramount lot and the mountain logo. And you associate that mountain logo with things like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, not only that, and, but at this point, streaming is such a... They're, and Paramount is a bigger thing yeah. because it's a movie studio. And you have the prestige of the movie well, studio. Now you got, but of course, you're going up against Disney. Yeah. Plus, and Apple Plus. Yeah. And, okay, guys, at some point, I, I want someone to sit there and go, and I'm now in, and here's NBC minus, just to see what happens. <laughs> well, we could do a sci-fi for me plus. That's, that, that would be the paid part. That, that'd be the, the programs that we put behind a paywall. Do we have any programs behind a paywall? No, okay. and we don't even have a paywall. Because nobody will pay for it. I'm just checking to see yeah. if there's a, you know, that's, that's, our, that's our, our, our edgier program. <laughs> <laughs> that's sci-fi for me, dark. <laughs> sci-fi for me, Max. Oh, there we go. Sci-fi there we go. Me, no kidding. Um, yeah, so I think that... The, the, well, you have, well, okay, you have sci-fi for me, Max, which is the really intense stuff, like hardcore tabletop, right? Right, that sure. Would go there. Right, there we and go. And then right. you have sci-fi for me, After Dark, which would be stuff like Lex. Or, or, <laughs> okay. There's so many or heavy things. metal. Oh, there we go. That's 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 what we need. We need our we need our our our, our paywall series, folks. If you want to give and us flux, a, we will give you we will give you content the likes of which you would not expect from us. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm sure not my sure parents where, would appreciate that. Well, they, they, they would, you wouldn't have to let them subscribe. That's oh, <laughs> they would probably find out somehow. Well, they can find out. Just, like, Mom, Dad, what, you, is, you, what you, is this after dark uh, stuff? Uh, it's just stuff yeah. we do after 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, you can't. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter, Mom and Dad. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like my mom. My mom's on Facebook. It's like one of the, I think it maybe one of the, oh, one oh. of the reasons I'm not on Facebook as much as I is because my mom can actually no. see what I'm saying. What we do. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, God, we broke him. He's gone red, guys. He's gone red. <laughs> this is not good. So the problem, here's the problem, though, is that now he has set this up. That this is going to be so funny that if it's not... <laughs> okay, let me see if I can get this out. Sci-fi for me after dark... It's all scrambled like the old paper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so and, and every now and again it fuzzes out just enough to get like a hint of thigh. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and we can take everything that we've done before and just throw that filter on it mm-hmm. and, and really muddy up all of the audios. Right? There you go. Sacrifice oh. for me after dark. Uh, 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 <laughs> we have to throw in like a saxophone uh, soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, and, yeah. And there we go. Definitely. <laughs> and there's a whole generation of people who go, I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> like, Those of you who are of an age. Yeah. Back, uh, back that's you, funny. 
Back when oh. cable is new. That's fun. Oh, we should do that. There's at least one we'll episode. We'll throw it on our Twitch channel. There's at least one episode of that that I think needs to go out into the world. Yes, I think I think so. That would be, that would be so funny. Be funny. Just what half an hour? An oh, hour? Half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to find a filter. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure I've got one of those. There's, I've probably got a plug-in that already does that. That's uh, that's. Oh funny. my. Uh, oh, that's funny. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard in a long while. Um, I needed that. So I think that I think I, I, uh, I think that there's get back on topic. Um, so Star Trek. So for a while there, start the argument was that Star Trek wasn't going to be on in f- films. There was the idea because yeah. we because you get the the law of diminishing returns really with the next generation movies. Well, and you even go back to uh, Phase Two. When you had the beginning, you had the the original series, and it went into syndication, and it actually started making money in syndication. And Paramount was like, "Well, why would we make another TV show that'll cut into our profits on this this show?" But then they saw how popular it was getting with like these conventions and all this merch and all this popularity. Suddenly, wait, Star Trek is a thing? What? Uh, huh? And then they couldn't decide. Well, maybe we do another series, but no, maybe it'll be a TV movie. And if the TV movie does okay, maybe it'll be a series. But wait, no, we can make it into a movie, a feature film. But no, I, we don't want to take that kind of a risk, so let's just go back to being a TV movie. And maybe two TV movies. But then Star Wars. So now Star Trek The Motion Picture. Right, true. And Star Trek The Motion Picture basically started from scratch. After they had built all of this stuff for Phase 2, all of these sets were already constructed. All of this money already spent. Mm-hmm. They had to do it all over again because now we're making a movie. And what the, and, what looks good on TV yeah. versus what looks good in film. And Paramount has never been able to figure out Star Trek. Well, and I think that you end up with the problem that we run into for a lot of things is that Star Trek is not any one thing. Star Trek is a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. And while what we want from Star Trek is in many ways fans have a, a, a certain things in common that they want, but there's also, there's, they don't all want the same things. Yeah. And one of the things that you saw, you see, this, you see this during the periods where new films and TV aren't happening for shows or, or something. So you saw this in when the Doctor Who period, when it was Virgin, the BBC had their own, there was nothing on the air. Yeah. And you saw this when there were no Star Wars movies, when you had the Star Wars novels and the Star Wars expanded universe. And you saw this with Star Trek, when there were no movies, or, and even when there were movies, when there was all nothing the on TV, the, all yeah. the book lines. And the thing is, is that you would get these little things where, where you'd have like Star Trek, the new, um, the new voyages. New voyages. You'd yeah. also, you'd also, uh, what was the one, the other ship? It was, it was. Oh, the Excalibur stuff. Yeah, the Excalibur. New, stuff. Ta- new frontier. So, new frontier. So yeah. they, they, this is a whole new cast and crew over here doing their own thing, right? Right. Star Wars did some of the similar things. And one of the things that I thought was really, really interesting, is that. And Doctor Who did this too, more so than Star Trek. So Star Wars and Star Trek did this. Star Wars and Doctor Who did this. Because we didn't think we were going to get any more Star Wars. 
And we didn't know if we were going to, we didn't think we were going to get more Doctor Who. Right. right. Star Trek at least had a little bit of a history with, oh, there's another TV show. Oh, let's do another movie. Okay. Yeah. But, but Star Wars and Doctor Who were looking <clears> really. So Star Wars went on this whole like thing where, and whether you like the, the Yulong Vong storyline or not, oh. the thing is, is what they, what they, the writers looked at it and they said, we've tapped out this whole empire thing. Right. If we want to keep telling stories, we have to do a new thing. And so whether or not you liked the new thing is, is, doesn't matter is the fact that the writers sat there and went, we've tapped out the story here. And I appreciate the fact that they wanted to do something new. They needed to do something new by that point. So the Yuzong Bong come in, and there's this plant, and, this plant Borg, basically. Yeah, and, and, and here's the fun part, is that when they, we did get new movies... The new movies proved the point of the writers who sat there and went, we've tapped out the Empire thing. Well, okay. The problem that I have with, well, one of the many problems that I have with the sequel trilogy is it basically hits the reset button with the Republic still being the rebels. And it doesn't work because they won 30 years ago and all of this time should have been spent consolidating power, setting up their new government, establishing the new Republic, and all the stuff that was done in the books. So you would think 30 years down the road, what what is in the movies The First Order should have been the Imperial Remnant and we're still fighting... But what they got from wrong from the beginning with the new Star Wars movies, and it, and and this is the foundation. Here's the foundation is flawed, because the foundation basically the argument is that we have to give them exactly what they liked about the first series, uh-huh. and that's just not really what people need or want. Yeah, um, they think they might think they want that. But you don't actually want the exact same thing you got. You want time to have passed because your characters have gotten older. Right. And so when you deal with, you know, you, some of the best stuff with Star Trek with the movies was the acknowledgement that the original cast was getting older. Yeah, the whole passage of time. I mean, that was a key, a key component to Star Trek too. But the thing is, is that that required someone like Nicholas Meyer coming in and going, I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at this and going, okay, Right. you know these guys aren't as young as they used to be, right? Right. And so the, the, that actually, you know, you would not necessarily have gotten that uh, with a different writer, a different director coming in and doing that. It's a happy accident, considering that the issues that they had in between. You know. Right. Well, and that also goes back to make, the, make a movie on a TV budget. Because the television division made that film, because Harv Bennett was in on the TV side of things, mm. and yes, they recycled a number of shots, you know, leaving dry dock and all that other stuff. But <clears throat> overall, it's a much more solid put together film. But the thing is, you go back to Nicholas Meyer not being a fan, and he did his homework, mm-hmm. and that's something we talked about on a couple of other uh, uh, other places. We talked about this on the stream last night over on Midnight's Edge. The fact that that Nicholas Meyer did his homework and watched Star Trek 
and took notes and figured out, okay, what's the core essence of what makes this mm -hmm. work? And some of it is story tropes. Some of it is, but Robert Meyer Burnett made a, made a very interesting point last night. He was talking about filmmakers and writers of today versus writers from 30 years ago, 50 years ago. The education of writers has changed. The, the foundation for writers, the reference material for writers now is different. They're not as steeped in classic literature. These people grew up watching television, watching movies. Mm -hmm. They haven't been reading as much. Alexander Dumas and, and Isaac Asimov and and Heinlein and Dickens. I, I'd, I'd and, say in broad that, strokes that's probably true. I would say that, that and so that's probably fair. Their fundamental understanding of story is different. The only problem I have with that is that you still end up with a broad strokes approach that you're going to have writers that that's not remotely true about, though. Not every writer. But the younger ones. Well, I mean, even with the younger ones, I think you're going to find that, because I think that the folks who really, really want to write, if you want to be a writer, I think if that's, if that's you, who you are, I think those are the folks who really will go back and read those things, because but what's the you want to feed your brain. Yeah, but let, let me ask you this. What's, is, is, do you think there's a difference between someone who wants to be a writer and so therefore is willing to just take whatever assignment and someone who wants to be a Star Trek writer or a Star Wars writer. It depends. I mean, because I think, I think we, we, tend to, we tend to look at a specialization thing here that I don't know exists. Well, because if you're going to do something that's Star Trek, you do like Nicholas Meyer and you figure out what makes Star Trek work. Well, but you, you see, people aren't just a single thing, though. You no, can, I know. But, and I think that I think that we also tend but, to But if you're gonna be on the staff for that thing, then well, you sure. need to understand how that thing works. Well, you need to or at least well, okay, define define understand how a thing works. Well Because I could argue because I would argue that there were times, say using Discovery as an example, because I have seen it, it's a show that some people really like and some people really don't. Um, and I found that it's gotten better over time, but I didn't particularly care for the first season. Um, the second season, there's a wonderful moment where uh, Christopher Pike, mm. Anson Mount, of course, the, the, one of these scenes that actually basically made people sit there and go, I want this series, um, is where you look at this character who every Star Trek fan who is familiar with the character knows ends up in a basically a rolling box with just beeping noises to communication, right? Right. And the show is basically set up that there is uh, there's two moments in this in this season. Spoiler alert for the second season if you want to watch it, uh, and if you don't, you'll not watch it anyway. <laughs> but when the first the first season is basically there's this there's this war that our heroes have to fight in, and they're in a science vessel. And these are these are I mean they're, they're yeah. uh, this is not a ship that's meant to be fighting a war, but it ends up being involved in a war. And it turns out that the captain of this ship is a bad person. Right. 
the first part, I mean, at first you think he's just traumatized from his own war experience, and then they find, no, he's a mere universe psychotic. Second season, Christopher Pike shows up. And Christopher Pike is your archetypal Starfleet captain. And about two-thirds, about a third of the way into the series, you start to realize they're playing with a trauma, with trauma in this show. The, the Discovery crew is traumatized mm, by these right. events. And here comes this inspirational, focused, upbeat leader, and he starts putting him back together. Sure. And the characters start getting, right. coming to terms with what's going on because Christopher Pike. And then you've got the other plots going on, but then you have this other scene where Christopher Pike is confronted with his future. He sees, he goes, there's, a, there's these time crystals right, and things, right. and he's exposed to the future that is coming for him. And there's this whole, you know, possible futures going to have, you know, is the future fixed, et cetera, et cetera. There is no fate but what we make. And Christopher Pike looks at his future, and he looks at the choices he has to make, and he says, i got to do a trade. In the course of this, and this is this is the same writers who's doing the rest of the show, so, you know, this mm -hmm. is, these are really great. These are actually great Star Trek moments. Right. And they're very much in the spirit of what the show is about. For one, this is not to say there haven't been plenty of moments, especially in the first season where the show doesn't seem to know what it wants to be when it grows up. But also, Christopher Pike is a character of faith. He's got a, he's religious. He's got, I mean, he's, and you don't get a lot of that in Star Trek, but he's, he's... Well, you also did get very much of that in The Cage. You don't, but The Cage is only... It's only a pilot. It's right? only a pilot. <clears throat> Um, so they, 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 you have these moments and these cool bits, and then you get into the third season and you have similar things like that, where it's like, this is what, this is what the Federation stands for, this is what, et cetera, et cetera. When they get it right, you end up with some really fantastic storytelling. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that expecting any show to get it right all the time is unrealistic. And if you can't get it right, again, we come back to the first season problem that every, a lot of shows have. And you and I have talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. many times. <clears throat> right. That if you can't grab them right away, and I think that we run into this with Star Trek The Next Generation, we're going to do a Discovery. Lower Decks is a thing on its own. Lower Decks is a... Is a Animated comedy. It's a set. Yeah. Okay. It's you, it, prodigy is going to be the same way. It's over here, and if you if it's yep. for you, it's for you. If it's not, it's not. It's not playing with. It's not playing with the same kind of story stuff, right? right. As right. the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Enterprise had what three rocky seasons? Yeah, and because it didn't know what it wanted to be when it grew up. <clears throat> Well, the problem, and, and this goes back to the same kind of problem that Discovery has, the fact that it's a prequel. Yeah. And didn't know what kind of prequel it needed to be until you get into the fourth season and Manny Cotto says, you know what, we're supposed to be making a Star Trek. How about we make some Star Trek this year? And they started making Star Trek, but by then it was, it was too, too late. late. Right. Well, they had I mean, plans for season five. Yeah. It's like, you know, if we'd, if we'd been given another season, you know, they would have just done more of that and, and gotten in gotten into the Romulan War and, and started looking at some of that. And I thought, oh, that's, that's very interesting. And I'm thinking, 
why don't we give Manny Cotto a Star Trek show now? The, the problem is, is that I think that that runs the risk that I think that Discovery ran the risk of in its first season and, and, and didn't quite do well with, which is the Klingon Federation War that we'd heard about. Mm. And I think... When did we hear about this war? Because there was, there was, was the, the, the Narendra Three stuff and... Well, there was but, just... There was, well, that's, that's how we ended up with the Organian Treaty. Is that there was this war thing? See, I. Uh, they, they feel like, I'm old. It's possible that I've but forgotten. They're, they're, but the but thing is, is that they, they didn't. The, the original series. I don't did remember not, there being a, 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 a mention of an actual war footing established between the two. They didn't like each other. I, there was conflict. I, I think, the, at the I think it was more of an implication that there had been this previous conflict war thing. Maybe. And so, well, in any event, there's this hole. There's, there's a hole in the timeline, so they decided to fill it, which is always a risk, right? Whether right. it's, and I think that unfortunately, Enterprise would have run into the same problem going forward. That it's one thing to tell the story of the first warp-capable starship in humanity, but then basically making it be... They tried to tie a lot of things into the original series through Enterprise. Yes. <clears throat> Discovery did, does, again, that's some of the problem with Discovery, too, is that it's trying to tie things in, and yet when Discovery succeeded at its best was when it did a combination of connecting itself to the original series through Pike mm -hmm. and then going completely over here with... With time travel into the future, right, and and basically saying that um, the darker side of Starfleet that we've seen in shows like Deep Space Nine um, is darker than we thought. Except, I'll take issue with that as as far as characterizing Deep Space Nine because at the core, Starfleet is still recognizable as Starfleet from all of the other Star Trek shows. Sure. It's a darker program. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Section 31. Oh, I'm that. Talking, I'm, talking, I'm, talking, I'm talking about the, the <clears throat> intelligence services. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I never was a fan of that whole Section 31 well, thing. Well, but it, it also... It just felt too... I don't know. Uh, it, uh, it, it just didn't fit. It's the dichotomy between a for all the fact that you can have a you can have war stories like Deep Space Nine did, but the Federation and Starfleet is that the idea is is that there this is a well intentioned positive organization mm -hmm. without naively I'm I'm afraid thinking that it would not have the negative aspects of the darker side of the intelligence services. Right. Which we know is a thing. If you have not noticed that the and intelligence services are can have their dark right. side. And we've heard, and you know, Star Trek has always had Starfleet intelligence. Mm -hmm. You know, they've had their, their various different spy organizations and intelligence arms. But when you get into Section 31, okay. being this rogue well, element, and, that's, and, and that whole thing... Well, that that's just a bridge too far. For well, me. Discovery does the, 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 the again spoiler spoiler alert for the second season of Discovery. Um, nobody cares. Um, is that Section Thirty One essentially in starts off being a much more 
it's dark, but it's not as dark as we get in, in Deep Space Nine. Mm. And then it gets burnt to the ground. Right. Because it's, you know, Starfleet... Star Trek has an issue with artificial intelligence. It has for quite some time, and, and the original series is rich with, uh, AI is bad. <laughs> yes, it is. And, 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 and we get proof of that all the time nowadays. And then, and then Next Generation, of course, gives us data, but there's still issues with AI. Discovery is like, yeah, let's show you what happens when AI gets... And, uh, and there were fans who were basically going, are we really inventing the Borg here because this AI... And it's like, and it's like no, it's just a bad right. AI. So Section 31 gets burnt to the ground. Well, then there's a, something comes up from it, right? Um, now with more paranoia. Sure. Um, well, and, and the, thing, the thing is, I mean, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about all of the different things that has come, come about. Sure. Um, oh, <laughs> Esau makes a good point. Why would a secret agency like Section 31 have a uniform and badges? <laughs> well, see, the, the, the thing about Discovery was that Section 31 was a known thing and then supposedly it's wiped out because yeah. it's wiped out. Sure. And I was just like, okay, shouldn't it be secret from now on? Oh well, whatever. <laughs> I'm. <sighs> yeah. All right, we've got a super chat hey. from Thomas Two Dollar Super Chat. It says, "I for one welcome our robot overlords, our new robot overlords." The your your Google masters. That's right. Uh, and, Google uh, is a thing. Well, and you've got okay. So we've got the the new script that Kalinda uh, working is, is working on. Uh, the Section Thirty One series, which may or may not ever ah, materialize. So I'm thinking that it is probably some things have been said in interviews and various reports mm -hmm. that would seem to indicate that. As of right now, because I don't think they're shooting Discovery Season 4 yet. It's been announced, but I don't uh, think yeah, they're don't, shooting. No, I don't think they're they they shooting They are shooting yet. Strange New Worlds. Right. It just they started. started that a month ago. It just started. And you have the second season of Picard, mm -hmm. which... I don't think it's started yet or is about to start. It's. It was going to start, but I don't know that it started. I think the last we saw, Jerry Ryan had posted something on her, her social media that they were going to start February 1st. But I haven't heard anything about them actually starting yet. And some of the stuff that we've been hearing in a few reports are that everything right now is on hold except Strange New Worlds because they're shooting that one and it's more like classic Star Trek than Discovery, and rumor, take this for what it's worth with however much salt you want to use, the rumor is Paramount wants to basically wait out the contract with Kurtzman and get rid of him, and Akiva Goldsman is doing Strange New Worlds, and Again, rumor, there's nothing that can be verified in any of this stuff. But the word is that Akiva Goldsman developed Strange New Worlds without Kurtzman, and he wasn't happy about it. 
So I don't know if there's any infighting or whatnot, but there have been a lot of a lot of rumblings that we've heard from various different places that Paramount's not happy with Kurtzman because none of the streaming services outside the United States want to pick up pick up any of his shows. Netflix didn't want it, which is why Amazon took it, you know, as far as Picard goes. So, you know, and it's again, take it for what it's worth grains of salt at the ready. We have no idea what's actually going on. Considering that, considering for the last several years, we have heard nothing but how this is the last season of Discovery. It's getting canceled tomorrow, and it never has been. Well, and you know, all of these, you know, these are, uh, I, I'll believe, okay, the, inter- the internet is a place where we go to say, come out and say lots of things. We are doing a show right now that is going yes. out on the internet. But here's the thing, is that unless you actually see it happen, it's rumor mill, folks. Yes, and and, and a lot of these people, and, and to be fair, thinking and or, to be fair, or doom thinking, the or people what? that are reporting on these rumors are making it very clear that they're rumors that cannot be verified. Yeah, because at this point, so, I mean, Kurtzman, not I'm not going to claim to be a gigantic fan, but the idea, and we hear this a lot, and it doesn't, it's not just Star Trek, of course, it's this creator or that creator, it's like, oh, the studio is getting rid of them, and yet they somehow don't. Yeah. So don't, don't get excited or sad about this stuff until you see it happen, because... Or not happen. Or not happen, because yeah. it's, you know, it's... Again, I know, it's... Uh, well, and, and you, you, there's two flavors this comes in. It's the wishful thinking of someone who doesn't like the creator. Right. Or the, or the doom... The fear, doom, terror of somebody who does like the creator and doesn't want to see him go away. Mm -hmm. And there's not a whole lot of middle ground without going, I don't know. (laughs) And I don't know is not as cool as or sexy as, you know, they're out the door or they're not going anywhere. You know, it's these extremes are what people is what. It might get you clicks. Well, the problem but, the problem with it is, you know, like we're seeing with with Disney and Kathleen Kennedy, for example. You know, Bob Chapek comes out there during the investor call and says, "Oh, yeah, we we were we we're so excited to be working with Kathleen Kennedy for years," and everybody latches onto that and goes, "No, you know, curse you, Kennedy, and all that." Without taking into consideration that what else is Bob Chapin going to say to the investors? I mean, he's not going to say something that's going to. Well, know, but even that, it's, it's the, the blaming out. Kathleen Kennedy, Thank which is like you've, one person is not responsible for all of this stuff. They're just not. That's not how these industries work. And the same person. No, it's not. I, but but again, you folks, have somebody who hires other people that are in alignment with your vision for that franchise. And visions for franchises change, and not everybody likes the same vision. And the again, creator of the franchise does not like what's been going. Welcome on with to the, the world of franchises. I know, I know, I know. And I know. and again, reminder, folks, that Kathleen Kennedy is also the person behind the Mandalorian. You can't have it both ways. You could either well, you can dislike you can dislike what they do. But if they if they also do something you like, you have to acknowledge. Yeah, but there's a question. There is nope, a question. She's in, nope, she's nope. in charge. There's well, being in charge then of you, the company. So you can blame her for one thing, but you cannot praise well, her for another. Yeah, hang, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because it's a little hypocritical. Well, no, because it's the resp- no, because the responsibility for the movies has been hers because she's hired the directors. She's been involved in the development of the show, the the, the scripts, and all that. And has fired more directors than any have finished a film. 
And, you know, there is a question of how involved she is on The Mandalorian because we've heard she's involved, directly involved. She's very involved. We've heard she's very hands-off. We've heard she's been banned from the set. I mean, there's all sorts of stories. She hasn't been banned from the set. She hasn't been banned from the set. But we've heard all of these stories at various different degrees of intensity of how involved she is. So there's really no way of knowing. If she's in charge of it, then... It doesn't mean that she's running it. Because you can have an executive producer. TV shows do this all the time, and you know this. And you have the so executive the producers. Movies. You have the executive producers. You have the showrunner. And, exec- and the same thing with movies. Yes, so, you have the showrunner. So again, the executive folks, producer, you have the line producer. If you, are, if you are praising someone and criticizing someone for things that they are both responsible for, bear in mind, they're not the devil. They're not, they're not an angel. They're just somebody doing their job, and you don't have to agree with what they do. I'm getting... You see this all the time. Mm. You know, Kathleen Kennedy has ruined Star Wars. No, she hasn't. Star Wars is fine. No, it's not. No, Star Wars is fine. No, Star Wars is not fine. Star Wars is completely fine. Star Wars is not fine. But this is not the show. We were talking about Star Trek. I'm sorry. Can can you not find Star Wars on... Can you not find Star Wars either? Can you you not find The Empire Strikes Back? Can you not find Return of the Jedi? We're not talking about Star Wars today. I'm just saying. Star Trek. Well, again, same thing with Star Trek. Is that can you not find can you not find the things you love about Star Trek? Yes, you yes, can. Yes, and they're all in the past. Well, then there's maybe, nothing new that I like about Star Trek. But then you have to ask there's two questions: Who are they telling these stories for? The folks who are dying out? Because here's newsflash: You and I are fifty. No, I know. You're telling this stuff for the you're the, and this is something that everybody who's creating new content, whether it's comic books or uh, novels or movies or or TV, they're not just telling the story for the folks who liked the thing in the past. They're looking forward to the future. And sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong, and sometimes they're telling stories that are appeal to the folks who grew up with the thing, and sometimes it's telling it for brand new audiences. And this is a balancing act that all, whether it's TV or film or novels or all the, it's a balancing act, and it's a not an right. easy and one. And it's not an easy one. And... <sighs> We're we're past our hour, so I'm not really going to get into this. But the but the idea that you're trying to appeal to a new audience, you have to um, you have to factor in that balance. And I don't think that they're doing enough of that. And I, and this gets back to the whole social media clout and the internet and the 15-year-olds that are all over there making a big noise. I would agree to a point. I think that, especially like the first season of Discovery, they tried to go... They're trying to appeal to an audience that doesn't buy anything, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't want to... They don't support... I mean, I can That's watch kind it. kind of okay. I, I can watch <laughs> it, but it... Well, see... But see, the thing about it is, in these franchises, merchandising want, is a big thing. I know, but I don't want. I, I want to just. I want to just enjoy the story, and I don't want to feel like I need to be buying something else. This is why. This is why I don't. I don't necessarily like this idea of the multi-platform kind of thing, where it's like, okay, here's here's the episode of the of the new show. Now read the comic tie-in that explains the backstory. Right. And like, that's what Star Wars is doing. And it's like I don't. This doesn't. That's what Star Wars is doing right now, and it and, doesn't work. And there's a neat horror. There was a neat idea for a horror series that was going to do that. Mm. And I thought that was really kind of an impressive thing because it was meant to sit there and give you... It was supposed to be a movie and a TV series, and I think it was going to be a comic book or something, or some visual medium thing. Right. 
And I was like, this sounds like a really cool idea. And then they did the movie, and I was just like, oh, there's, there's holes in the story yeah. that I can feel the other medium is supposed to fit here. And I'm like, um, yeah. no. Yeah, well, and they played with it. This was, what, back in the, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were playing with transmedia. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's like Battlestar Galactica did it for a Which little bit. Which is a bit. neat idea. I mean, concept, conceptually, I think it's interesting. Except, Except you don't have a guarantee, and Star Wars is running into this more than anybody else right now, you don't have a guarantee that the people who plunk their butts down in the seats of the theaters oh, God, no. are going to do anything else. Buy the books, buy the comic books, listen to the audio, look at the web stuff, or whatever. Right. And it's a dangerous proposition to depend, to count on that behavior oh, well, for the success of your of your no, product. No, no question. I think that. Well, I think that that the the good news for the Star Trek fans is that a there are still novels being published for the original series, which I think right. they're doing very well. That if you like Discovery, it's it, the show is getting better as it goes, and it's got its own novel line and. And it's in the future now, so it's not playing in the past. So right. it's all about brand new stories, which I think is frees up the should show. Have, should have done from the beginning. It, honestly, yes, it should have. Yeah, um, and it, it even could have been a ship from the past thrown into the future. Mm-hmm. They should have honestly but skipped. That would be the first episode. Is the time jump? It, that that would have solved a lot of the problem, but it wouldn't have given us uh, um, uh, Christopher Pike. But then we wouldn't know what we were missing. And that, yeah, was, that, that would be fine. Six of one. I, uh, it was funny. Robert, Robert mentioned um, last night he thought it would be fun with the with Strange New Worlds to reshoot the cage as the first episode of Strange New Worlds. Is well, to do con- it again with the new cast. Considering how well how well they reproduced some of the shots and used the original footage in the Discovery episode where they told the story, mm. told part of the story of the cage. Um, I thought they, they handled that extremely well because they sat there and went, all right, here's the original footage. Yeah. Now we're basically going to go, and we Previously on Star Trek. And I thought it was, yeah. it was, it was cl- very cleverly handled. And the, the casting, their, their casting choices for, for those parts... And the new cast, uh, there's a couple of interesting, uh, the folks who are part of the new cast of the crew. Um, there's a couple of characters. It's like, hang on, this actor looks an awful lot like this character in the background. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's going to be who this is. Could be, um, could be. But, um, Robert, Robert has a good question. It wonders what the, what the genre movie, comics, and books audience crossover really is. And I, I would be, I'm, I'm with him. I'd be curious to see what kind of numbers there are for that as so well. Because I don't think it's very Well, it's see, very here's, the, here's the problem with all of that. Yeah. And it comes down to something that comic book fans are going to know extremely well. Which is the tie-in. So you've got someone like say say you've got this thing called the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Let's mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. 1980s. Throw your mind back to the past, folks. 80s, 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 
And then you tie in a whole bunch of the other series, which had this sort of crossover with this 12-issue series, right? Right, yeah. So you got this, like, red sky thing going on and characters and stuff happens, right? Right. Becomes the model for everybody. And during those 12 issues, you have stories that branch off and continue in the solo titles. Right. Yeah. Okay. This becomes the model. The Uber model. Yes. The, the, you know, the goal which we all aspire to because it worked perfectly. It was also new, by the way. Uh-huh. It was also a brand the new... The first time. It was a brand new shiny. Yeah. And the next time someone did it, they were like, oh, look, it worked here, too. And they tried it again. But then they realized that we have to do it only bigger now. Yes. And so now you have 24 and, issues in the series, yeah. and you've got 73 comic books that tie into the 24 issues. And the other publishing house then decides that they have to do it. And you... With all new number ones. Do you know where you end up with? You end up with new 52, folks, and we don't want to end up there now, do we? Did we Some know? would argue that we're already there with some of these franchises. Well, I think that what we end up running into is that when you have these cross-media platforms, you, the core folks, you, you still have to have your core thing. The extra stuff is add-ons. Mm-hmm. The, folks who, the folks who bought your Star Trek comic books... When DC was doing them. Right. I've got a few of those. I have a bunch of them. I bought every single one of them. Um, and are the, are the same folks who went and saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. But the folks who went and saw it in the theater, and they're fine, the folks over at Marvel have figured this out. Just, well, they should have learned this by now. Yeah. Is that just because you go and see Chris Evans playing Captain America doesn't mean you pick up Captain America 273 in the comic book shop. Except that was a missed opportunity. Because even if they're different iterations of the Marvel Universe, you could still use the, the comic book movies to sell your comic books. In theory. And in Marvel the, and DC, neither one of them had done that. But in, in, in theory. But the question is, is how do you get that moviegoer to go buy the comic? And the answer is, I don't know. And neither do they. You time a story arc to begin when the movie is released. So when you have a new Superman movie that comes out, if in theory, in, 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 a, theory. in a perfect world, you have the new movie that comes out, right? Then you have a new story arc. So you have the beginning, whatever this, you know, issue 275 or whatever, mm-hmm. is the beginning of a three-issue thing. Hey, try it out. Here's three issues. It's a self-contained story and whatever and whatever. That does fit into the overall continuity of the comic book, but it's its own thing within that continuity. I don't think that's going to get people to buy the comic. And the reason I say that is because there are folks who are just never going to pick up a comic. Now, well, that's true. Now, and this, is, this could be a splitting hairs thing, uh-huh. but I would say you put out a brand new graphic novel. Adaptation of the movie or a new story? Yes. You have the adaptation of the movie as a graphic novel, mm-hmm. and then immediately after that, or at least tied in to sit there and go, here's volume one is the movie itself, volume two is this new thing. Yeah. And I think that even that is taking a chance because the same folks who go watch the movies don't always buy the novelization either, and they don't buy the photo book, and they don't buy the... So it's, I think it's a real... It sounds good on paper. All of this sounds good on paper to have the multi-platform thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but the success, when you end up with the success of something like the ad campaign for the Blair Witch Project, which is so, which is internet, right? Right, and it's advertising, and it's it's and it's and it's interactive because there's all these in in many ways, and yet it's better than the movie because the movie isn't good. Right. Important. Robert's got a, a good point here. You know, as a kid, you read the movie novelizations, sure, and the movie novelizations leads to read uh, the books, and so the same kind of thing you could do with a graphic novel. But the other thing too, there was one thing, and I, you know, we'll we'll wrap with this because we're already past our time. Um, DC had the animated showcase for a while, mm-hmm. and some of the DVDs, which were you don't have the full movie, but you have those. But in addition to the Superman Batman movie on this DVD, you also have the Green Arrow short film. Sure, and the Spectre short film. The opening for those is a camera going through a comic book shop and landing on the spinner rack. Mm -hmm. And it firmly establishes this comes from this. And I think your comic book movies are not making that connection. I think I think there's a on the level, and I think we see this a little bit with the movie and, and TV stuff on Star Trek. So we can loop back around here. Mm. Is that there is still a mindset that these are different things, fundamentally different things. The TV show, movie, the movie, the, movie, yeah. the TV show, the books, yeah. the and you know the comics, all these things, all these different mediums. Instead of thinking them as one one overarching storytelling thing yeah. that and then and here's the here's the story here's the branches right right instead it's here's the movie here's the movie universe here's the TV universe and here's that goes the, back to this this idea that Paramount doesn't understand what they've got with Star Trek they don't know what they want it to be is I, it a TV series is it a movie? Is it a multiverse? Is it a single universe? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Unfortunately, is it, is it, is that goes all the way back to Desilu and uh, the original yeah. series because yeah. that would be season one and yeah. season two and well, season three. Even then, sixty-four. Yeah, I think you know, the beginning of it. It's right. not that easy, is it? Maserus has it right. It is past pumpkin time. That's right. So we will uh, we will bow out next week. Should we go early? And start at seven instead of eight next next Monday. Because this week on Thursday, I think, right? Mm-hmm. The Snyder Cut will hit HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we're gonna watch it. Yes. Should we watch it together? Should we watch it and, and discuss, or watch it, watch it, watch it singly, and then get together over the weekend and watch it a second time and, and I compare notes? I think that might not be a bad it idea. Might be I think I think because watch watching it on our own, at least initially, mm-hmm. might get whatever the and, first blush reaction. Yeah, because I mean, because yeah. both of, both you and I have issues with the previous films mm. and 
have more than once said, this is not my Superman. We've talked about this is not my Star Trek. This, right. is, this is the same right. kind of thing. Um, so, so Yeah, so next Monday, we are going to discuss and review and analyze and whatever else the Snyder Cut of Justice League. We and, actually have a plan. And fingers crossed, we will enjoy whether or not we think it's a, whether or not. We will see. We will. Yeah. I Hopefully we'll enjoy it. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm not chomping at the bit. Oh my gosh, I gotta see it. I'm not doing that. There are a lot of people who are doing that. I know, and and but and I hope, me. and I wish them, I wish them nothing but an enjoyable experience watching the film. And those of you who are going to watch the Snyder Cut, come back here on Monday. Tell other people that we are going to be discussing the Snyder Cut, and we'll discuss the Snyder Cut Monday night. Do we want to go an hour early? I'd say we we certainly can. And we I think do? I think the only the only thing I would say is if you if you invite them to come watch us and they are new to us, bear in mind mm-hmm. that we are. We don't do fanboy glee very well here. <laughs> no, no, and we, we don't. don't. And we also <laughs> try not to be overly. We yeah. when we're when we're critical, we try and have a reason to be critical. It's not that you know. Mm-hmm. There's if we don't like something, we're going to try and tell you why, and it's not going to be about just oh, I just don't like this sort of thing. No, yeah. tell, we'll, we'll try yeah, and tell we'll, you. Why. We'll get into reasons and stuff. We'll try and tell uh, you Robert, that's a good suggestion. Perch is one of those guys who really does like digging into numbers, so I will make that suggestion to him about because uh, looking at at movie tie-in novel novelizations and whatnot and and stuff. I'll I'll send him a note. And, uh, and offer up that suggestion. It might be outside his wheelhouse if it's not comic book related, but, but if you look at the comic, comic book movies, tie-ins, the tie-ins and stuff, yeah, we'll, we'll take, I'll, I'll send him a note. I'm going to suspect it's almost going to be like a completely different breed of cat. Yeah. I mean, but. Major says, it's a big reason why I'm a subscriber, objective and professional reviews. Try. There we go. All right, so on that note, we will head out, and if you are not subscribed to the channel yet, uh, we do invite you to do that, have your notifications turned on. We're on all the social media. Tomorrow, we were going to have a new Live from the Bunker, a different kind of Live from the Bunker. Uh, we'll have an interview with the director of No Fear, and it is spelled N-O, uh, K-N-O-W, No Fear. Christopher Hoffman did the interview. Uh, and so we will play that tomorrow on Live from the Bunker. Um, originally, we had thought we were just going to do this real quick interview and write up an article, and then it turned into a one-hour thing, and I was like, well, pfft, Might as well. there's a show. There so uh, so that'll be tomorrow, and then tomorrow night we've got Star Wars news with the new Salacious Crumbs. I will be hosting uh, in McKenna's stead, and then on Thursday we'll have New Ranker Pit, and then Saturday, Good Morning Multiverse and New Foreign Bodies. Yes, we're going Canadian, this Foreign Bodies. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, Canada. Canada, for the folks who are wondering, yes, Canadians do, in fact, speak English as well as French, but it is a foreign country, and yes. therefore, yep. and David Cronenberg... <laughs> That'll be fun. ...is up from north, and no. so we're going to be talking some Cronenberg stuff on Saturday. All right, so there is the week. Uh, we do invite you to check out all of that stuff. And of course, Mindy is working on uh, updates on events, and we'll give you the school closings list as we get new information here for that. Um, and then back here on Monday.
All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good night. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.